Bump and Jump, the Sunday drive that turned into a nightmare on wheels. Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Sam. Guys, today we have Bump and Jump. Didn't uh, know that the game took place on a Sunday, but it is definitely a nightmare on wheels. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's quite the interesting storyline for this one in the manual. If you didn't know any better, Bump and Jump is actually like the cocaine cliff diving game where you just take a bump and then jump off a cliff. Oh, wow. I never actually thought about that. You That's know, the 80s, man. Jump. Yeah, there you go. That's A lot of people were doing that in the 80s. It's on someone's best of 88 list. <laughs> right, right. Of course, um, Bump and Jump, you know, as a game, is a, is a Data East game. But I'm curious, like, which one hit first? The realization that it was a Data East game or the realization that it was a driving game? Because Bump and Jump doesn't quite scream to me that you're going to be like doing a uh, top-down arcade racing style game. Well, it hit me uh, because I always Google it first uh, before I boot anything up. And, you know, it's just that uh, that Wikipedia entry that says, like, Bump and Jump is a 1988 Data East. And then you just sort of I just sort of lose it. I'm just like my eyes glaze over a little bit. Uh, then I clicked on it and I saw the uh, the gameplay section, and I'm like, okay, this sounds like they can't mess it up too bad. Um, that was that was my little thing there. And this is one of those rare ones too, where it's like it's an arcade game, pretty popular, that is now finally coming to the NES after being on the Famicom like years before. And I say rare only because we cover every NES game, but some people might just only own these, like, arcade games that then get ported to the NES. Sam, what are you feeling about, like, these inferior uh, NES ports of these arcade games? I kind of have mixed feelings about them, because on the one hand, I imagine that the idea of having an arcade game in your house must have been really novel in the 80s, and must have been pretty cool and you kind of understand that it's not going to be the same experience as going to the arcade but on the other hand most of the time they suck so i don't know <laughs> yeah i actually wonder uh if you think about it right an arcade game was probably 25 cents right yeah uh per play that means that it would take 240 quarters to get to 60 dollars do you think that people would play bump and jump uh 240 times at the arcade before they like reach the the same limit of like, well, I'm glad I bought it for home play instead. It's just where I didn't spend any additional quarters. So you're actually this asking, would you, would you want to play this game 240 times? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or any arcade game, yeah. 240 times. I don't know. How often do people go to the arcade? It's like a Saturday thing, right? You would just from, hang out there. From the movies, it seems like it was pretty often. They're always there, yeah. Well, if you go... Every Saturday, let's say, for a year, that's 52 times if you only play a game once. So I imagine that if someone is really into arcades, they would probably be playing some of these games a couple hundred times. And there's definitely, like, the greats. I'm sure people would say that Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, 
Millipede. Well, that's like uh, at least a five-quarter game right there. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, you would put a lot of quarters into those games. You just can't realistically be putting, like, you know, for every arcade game that got ported to the NES, that number times 240 quarters and being like, yeah, I spent, like, 1,300 quarters what if at it's the like, arcade last year. What if it's, like, you get that as a present you get the nes game as a present or something because your mom or, or someone knows that you love the arcade game so much and then you use the nes one to practice on because it's a lot harder and the controls are a lot more clunky and then when you get to the actual one maybe it helps but maybe well, it doesn't i don't know i think that goes back to the the novelty part that you mentioned sam and i think yeah. that is the big selling point of like wow this huge machine with a crt built into it that i go to like I go out to the mall and I play it there. Now I finally like just have it in my living room and I can invite my friends over. Now I'm the arcade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really get that uh that logic in that like home gaming is practice and the arcade is the actual thing. Like I mean I guess like yeah, the arcade version was definitely a better version, but it's not like uh you're playing competitively. I don't know. It's funny. And to be fair, you don't have to spend 240 quarters to be like, well, I got the same value as those fools yeah. that bought it on the on the, on ha- the home system. Having social interactions. Right, right. Uh, I just think it's like a funny argument to actually like say that number out loud. I bet <sighs> nobody has thought that like you have to spend 240 quarters to equal the same price, but you could actually just like rent it in your in your mind in a way by going <laughs> to the arcade and just spending less. <laughs> These are the threshold numbers we think about, you know? That's the Fibonacci sequence of home video gaming. So do you think that someone would have would play the game less in the arcade if they had it at home, or do you think they would play it more because it's, like, a, a favorite of theirs? A- ask yourself that same question. What would you do? Give me a game. Like, all right, so just Donkey Kong, right? That's on the NES, but it's also in the arcade. Are you going to play that more or less? I'm not saying would you play it at the arcade. I'm saying are you going to play it more or less now that you own it at home? <coughs> Probably less. Yeah, I, that, I would agree with less. For that game. But I think it also depends on the kind of games where the port isn't as good. Yeah. Like, what, what was it? Akari Warriors or something? Yeah, yeah. That was like, a you bad take, Akari Warriors. You yeah. take that one. Like, are you going to play it more in the arcade because you've kind of been teased by the crappy version of it at home? And maybe you don't think that that's crappy. Maybe you don't even know yet what a real Akari Warriors can be like. So you're like, oh, I have that at home. And then you like see all the flashes on the screen and you go over and you're like, what are those graphics? Like, let me get in there. And then you realize like playing with, uh, what do we call, I guess we call those joysticks. Um, playing with those instead of a D-pad is also really effective for a game like Akari Warriors where you can choose where you shoot in which direction and stuff like that. So do we know so, what the experience of bump and jump was like in the arcade? Well, I will tell you this. Uh, it was a less complex game in oh, the arcade. Yeah, uh, the NES version of the game is the one that requires players to pick up cans of gasoline to uh, continue to collect fuel. That was just not an element in the arcade version of the game. So... You know, I actually think that's shocking. Like, you, the picking up gas thing seems like totally an arcade mechanic of, like, let's make sure we screw over the player at every corner so yeah. they have to keep putting in corner quarters. I mean, maybe um, maybe the gas was only put in to uh, emulate the obstacles uh, that quarters would have been. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. To make it feel like you're getting that arcade experience yeah. at home. <laughs> 
to artificially extend the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there should have been an is- adapter on the NES to just like insert a 25 cent slot, you know, onto the back of your NES or something. Can we That's talk about those bank. cans for a second? The gas cans? Yeah, talk because about the gas cans. They, I feel like whoever coded this to put the gas cans in just kind of said, all right, as long as it's on the screen somewhere, then that's yeah. that's fine because they're always they would, in just they're in the yeah. the window dressing all the time and you can't yeah, touch them. They'd show up in the like the boundaries of the course. They'd show up in obstacles of the course. That sh- I've had one in the middle of the ocean as I was <laughs> jumping over it. <laughs> so that's got to be. I mean, Sam, you design games a little bit. That's got to be just a, a way to say that like this is all just randomly generated, right? That they didn't design the actual course layouts in a way that like you would place the can the gas cans meaningly meaningfully and so instead it's just like when they hit certain amount of part into the level or when they're at this level of gas then have a gas can appear and that just happens to be anywhere possible on the screen with whether it doesn't care whether it's collectible for the player or not well it does seem kind of random but I don't know if it's like they show up in the same spot every time because I don't really play the same level multiple times a lot. Yeah, um, I'd just be shocked if they did though show up in um in those places purposefully because then that's just kind of like teasing the player of oh, like yeah. oh you know you could you could get this gas can but it'll kill you and so it's not worth collecting but you need those gas cans so you could be like you could have four um you know, what are we going to call the unit of measurement here? You could have four gas left, and every time you pick up a gas can... Yeah, four power left, and every time you pick up one of those gas cans, it gives you ten more power. But if they place it in a place where you can't collect it, you are now dead no matter what. I would guess it's random because of that, and because I would also see, like, cars in random spots, too, like parked cars. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, I noticed that. There were, like, cars in the water or on the sides or... In front of buildings and things, it's 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 a it's kind of inscrutable. Like I, I really couldn't tell if that was supposed to mean something or if it was uh, just a, a quirk of the code. Um, but, I mean, it seems like a lot of it was randomly generated. I, I don't know how much the um, I, I, I don't know how much the levels themselves are because I mean I can see chunks, like I can see recognizable patterns in these levels uh, or just like the road courses. But, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't tell just by deduction. Just to give uh, the listeners a clearer picture here, Bump and Jump is an overhead view survival racing game. I'm going to decide this, just describe it as a survival racing game because there's no like, there's no discernible finish. You're just trying to survive every single obstacle until you get to the finish line of that stage. But it's one of those games where you just continues to progress forever, 
right? I don't think there is a, a clear ending. I think you can just keep going well, on to get a high score. Well, I really? mean, it, the, there are endings for each level. Like, you sort of cross a finish line that it's e- easily recognizable, and then you start Yeah, no, one. I'm just saying, like, there's no, like, fina- there's no, like final boss or anything, oh, so you just yeah, keep yeah, yeah. going up in stages. It'd be like yeah. completing it's Pac-Man not, not, stages, you know? Like, this is the closest asked. thing to, like, this is just Spy Hunter again with a couple different uh, uh, mechanics. Uh, but I think Spy Hunter never stopped. Did, did Spy Hunter ever stop? Like every That's a good level? question. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more level oriented than Spy Hunter, at least. Yeah. But did you did you like that breakup? That, you know, like you seem to be a fan of it. You're saying it was at least it had that over Spy Hunter. I, I guess I, I don't know if. I could qualitatively say that one was better than the other, but I guess uh, I it, it, it does lend itself to like at least telling you you've gotten this far. Uh, that's that's as much as I can say. Uh, I was going to say I like how there's some courses like there's one that has a couple later, a couple levels later, it's like five or six or something that has these uh, almost like like rings around buildings and the buildings are in the center of the map and you have to jump to the side of them. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And then there was a one or two after that, there was a level that had these sort of safe patches on the right side that were just roads that would continue and no cars would ever spawn over there. So as long as you knew to jump over there, then you were safe. So I think that there are specifics about the levels that are different from each other that makes it, if not, if not more enjoyable, then at least different and like kind of interesting. Yeah, I think they were trying to go for like a, a change of seasons effect between mm. the levels and the color palettes. Yeah, I can see um, that. I'm sure it's more noticeable in the arcade version of the game, but even just the fact that the colors do change yeah. on the on the there's uh, a change in seasons tiles. and a, uh, a change in urbanization. Uh, yeah, I, I think that helps, like, yeah. break up the monotony of the game. And it would be more jarring if just, like, it it changed as you were driving. Like, it's like, oh, now you drove into the next season or the next area. Like, that would be impressive, that, though. <laughs> be impressive, but I don't. Yeah. I actually think it would, wouldn't work as well as, like, as the trick that it requires, yeah. you know? Like, instead, you'd be, you'd be like, hold on, did, did I get anywhere? Like, did I actually progress, you know? So I think that that's the problem there. We should talk about the jumping, though, because that's the big aspect of this game is that your car has the ability to basically be like a giant pogo stick and jump very high into the air. Well, that and the bumping. Right. Well, the bumping we'll get to. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. That's, uh, you know, half the equation. But the jumping's important here because for some reason... Robert Moses, when he was designing these roads, forgot to uh, like include half of the road. That's a great, that's a great civil engineering uh, uh, inside joke right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. He like, there's just these gigantic holes in the highways, and that's like, that's the idea, you know, of like why you must always jump because the op- the the road ends but then restarts, or there's an enormous and- wall. Yeah, an enormous wall, or it splits a certain way, or there's like a mini island that you have to hop to and then hop back to the the main highway. Which is way too hard to fucking figure out. So, I sorry. That, any yes, uh, yes it, it's yes. all sort of like uh, uh, MC, not MC Escher. It, I get kind of is in that there's just like 
walls bisecting roads and uh, maybe a little bit of uh, like Kafka because like what kind of society would design a a city like this? Uh, There's it, a little bit of existential dread uh, while I'm playing this, but uh, I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Well, I'm just wondering because of the bird's eye view that you that you get, you know, uh, that top down look. You can't see these things very far in advance, and yeah. you do get used to it. So I'll give it that credit. But like, is this the best way to go about making an obstacle in a video game of just like reaction times for your last second notices of like obstacles coming at you? Like, it almost feels if you didn't know any better. And this is sorry, this is going out there, but it's kind of like Guitar Hero. This game, you know, you don't see the notes. For a while, and then all of a sudden they're just there, and it's fine when you're playing on like easy mode. But if you're playing on expert, all of a sudden things are being asked of you that you didn't even know your fingers could do. Not that the game ever gets that intense, where there's like a difference between an easy and an expert mode, but it is like that, where you only have a small window of opportunity to decide when and how you want to jump, because the jump isn't something that you can actually control. You can't do like a Hard press for a very high jump that keeps yeah. you in the air for a I mean, while. I would or say like a little hop. I would say that it's even worse than than the Guitar Hero uh, statement because there are situations in this where you need the information that you can't see yet in order to jump in time. Like that when you need to jump onto those little islands, you need to know that before you see it. Like that the audio warning that that starts playing when it's trying to tell you, like, you're going to have to jump soon. Uh, it's not specific enough to say that, like, oh, you're going to have to jump to this little archipelago first. Uh, so you can only know that that's coming because you've already failed at it. So I think that that's, uh, like, that's kind of like a, a flaw in itself. There were some, t- going off of that, there were some times also where you have to jump at the very last bit right before the water starts in order to clear it in some of the later levels. And for me, I felt like there was no reason to not always be jumping except during those, like, about-to-jump parts where it gives you the warning. Like, land when you see that. But besides that, just always be jumping because you just land on everyone instead of getting bumped. So, and I also, also on jumping, this is my second thought, I thought that I didn't like how you had to be going a certain speed in order to jump, because if you're slowing down because you're trying to maneuver around someone or, you know, play the game, then... Conserve fuel. Right, yeah, conserve fuel. that's another thing. You're yeah. trying, or I think there was something in the manual about having a cop pull you over, which never happened. Yeah, it never me. happened to me. Um, never saw an ambulance either. Yeah, I saw Just like maybe tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, don't go too fast, or the, the cop will pull you over. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then... It, then one of the warning signs comes up, and you can't speed up fast enough to jump again. So you just kind of have to play the game a specific way. And for me, I found the easiest way was just to just always be jumping on top of people.
Yeah, I'd like to go back to your point there about jumping always so this way you just land. Like, the worst that could happen, provided that you know that there isn't an uh, obstacle coming ahead, the worst thing that could happen is you just land on another car or you dodge cars. So when you land on the other cars, that one, like, really does a lot of damage and, like, pushes them over to the side and usually destroys the car. I find that to be a lot more effective than this bumping thing. So in some ways, the game is jump and jump and not bump and jump. But don't you use more power when you jump? Like, in your kind of, when you're in, in air 90% of the time, you're kind of missing all these pickups when they are, like, pick up a bowl. And you need them. And you yeah, need sure. them. So, I mean, I feel like that would be a, a quick way to lose, lose, like, power to jump at some point. I guess uh, so, but I never had a problem with it. Oh, okay. I, I see what you're saying, though, Sean. It's like the, the jump is the greater power, but it comes with responsibility. Yes, it's a great yes. power. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the boost in F-Zero. It's also your health. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a, good, that's a good point, too. I just think there's something about the bump here that I hated. It didn't oh, respond... Yeah. That great for me. I didn't actually. I felt like I was being bullied by every car on the road. Yeah, when I get bumped, around. I go flying. But when I bump someone else, they're like, "Oh, you did not just do that." You know, they <laughs> they just don't really care. Yeah, they're like that meme where the guy is like driving and then he hears somebody say something, so he goes in reverse. You know, it's like that's that's the bump. It's like by bumping other, I don't by know bumping that the mean. enemies. You come on. Is he going in reverse or is he just checking out what's happening off. in the back seat? Yeah, you no, know, he goes like this. He has like his, you know, he has his arm around the passenger seat. He looks behind him and he's like, "Oh, I didn't." He goes I in just, reverse. <laughs> he's going in reverse, though. He's going in reverse. He's like, he's going forward. He sees it. He's like, he's got his eyes squinted, and he's like, and he goes in reverse. He's like, "I'm not going to whatever that is." Oh no, I don't. I think I'm thinking of a different meme. I think it's really hard to describe memes over a podcast. That's a great idea for a podcast that somebody else can handle. We sort of did this. I'm not doing it. I mean, this is off topic, but we did play that game before uh, the in-person records in the before time. I'm just saying, free idea for a podcast. Yeah. Describe memes. No, no, I copyrighted that. Oh, yeah. You you copyrighted a lot of podcasts. You have that one just about all different kinds of mustards. I do. Uh, Nobody can make it. You're going to taste every mustard in North America. I'm, I'm I'm a podcast idea squatter. Very good. Uh, that's the Thomas Edison way. Um, all right. Uh, Thomas Edison, Robert Moses, what year is it? You know, funny thing about the Robert Moses thing, since you mentioned about like how, with, like the, the devastation that the city must be dealing with for designing uh, their highways like this. It made me think of City Connection, that Jalico game we played where the yeah. girl's on like her moped. And that one has like. Oh yeah, that, you know, that's, it's a, like, that's a disaster itself as well. Yeah, it's like welcome to New York, and it's like the roads are on different uh, floating platforms, yeah. and it's like that's not New York to me, baby. Well, the other thing, <laughs> like in the same in, in the same vein that I noticed was uh, in, in the manual, the story is like, yeah, you're on a Sunday drive, and this gang steals your girlfriend, and then you just decide to, I guess, follow the car. Um, and then put. But before her- you do that, you name your car. Yeah, you for some reason named your car. It's never never decided why. Uh, you never you never see the car's name in the game. Um, and uh, so you 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 try and like find her, and you just I guess put her in harm's way by uh trying to run the car off the road that she's in, and then apparently you're supposed to run all the cars off the road 
and they all want to do that to you. Like it, it all sounds like a nightmare. Like the the uh, the architecture in this game, the civil engineering in this game, uh, the society that in which you live, in which it's okay to act like you have uh, everybody has uh, road rage. I, it's just a world I don't want to live in. I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a uh, an analogy for anything or an and all these one way streets also. Yeah, I mean it's a never ending. I mean everything's on the same road. Weird. And you know what? If you get far enough into the stages in the game, you can see the car that is carrying yeah. the girlfriend. Well, I thought she kept I... getting stolen. That, that makes more sense. That that also makes more sense, I suppose. <laughs> but um, I mean that, that that makes that convinces me that this game is actually one of those nightmares yeah. where you're not fast enough. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, well, you know, your your car is always going to be slower <laughs> than the other car owned by the Jackal gang that is going that has your girlfriend kidnapped. I buy that. The story is also very out of place if we're being honest. Like I didn't need one. No. I didn't I didn't notice it. I I don't know if you picked up on any of those clues before reading the manual, like visually in the game, did you ever say like those must be the jackals and my car must be named the popper? <laughs> well, it does go without saying, like once you once you get into it, that it is named the popper. You're right. I was wrong before, but the rest, no. So it's just one of those things where, I, like, I appreciate that they included a story in the manual, but they went they went a little extra to make sure that it matched the visuals in the game. Yeah, and they should have just had fun with it instead. Mm-hmm. It should have been like a, a whole, it should have honestly, this should have been a game that took place in World War II where, uh, you know, um, people from the future came and kidnapped your girlfriend and she <laughs> is the only one who has the codes to uh, Go stop the moon from exploding. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. The same thing. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's just not really a lot to this game, so we've been rambling. Yeah, there's not much to talk about anymore. Um, uh, oh, I got something. Yeah, please. There's, there's different music for each stage. You know, the Did music you changes. like the music? Didn't even notice. <laughs> not not really. I'm shrugging right now. It's, it's bad when you have two opinions on this. One is, I didn't even notice that the music changed, and the other one being, well, I didn't necessarily like it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's not some... Uh, Oh, what was that one? Uh, Chubby Cherub? With that yes, same song over and over again? You know, I forgot to mention this in the... Since we're talking about music. Last week's episode, Blades of Steel, had amazing music. And we didn't talk about it at all. You're right. And that's that's Konami right there. And... Um, I feel bad. That that had some really... Uh, that had some classics in it. And and you know what's funny is when you think about that though you're like okay so that had great music and we didn't mention it but then go back one more episode Bionic Commando and we didn't talk about the music oh, yeah. at all for that episode and that's the same like that's like Mega Man music because it's Capcom it's yeah. practically I think it is the yeah. same composer too yeah, it's like, oh, very similar choice. yeah yeah I'm sure you sprinkled in some of like some of those little zingers uh, into the the audio itself, right, Mike? I always, I always put music. Everybody knows that about me. I always put the NES music. In fact, if you haven't listened to our Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt episode yet, because you thought like, well, they would just combine both those previous episodes into one episode, you're wrong. It's a completely original episode, but it also has really fun Mario remixes that I guarantee no one has heard before. Did you make them yourself, Mike? 
No, I'm talking about like really rare early 1986 Japanese Mario tracks, like oh, wow. Super Mario Syndrome, <laughs> and um, this other one that's just like a. I didn't play the whole song, but it describes the entire adventure from Peach's perspective. <laughs> but you know, in it's all song? Japanese too, so I don't know what she's saying. Yeah, in song, but she's like, she's just saying it. Okay, like, <laughs> but it, so it's not eight bit. It's just, oh no! Yeah, these are like these are like fully produced like but, records, but from the eighties. Oh, from the eighties, that's pretty yeah. cool. I wow. guess yeah. the rest Look of this Super Mario Syndrome, it's great. The rest okay. of this episode, we're just plugging our other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite episode? Favorite episode? That's hard to say. Why wouldn't it be this one? It's always you're this hurting one. the listeners' I, feelings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, they're spending the time right now. Well, there, I'm sure there's listeners that have favorite episode going into this one, and if I say it's this one, then they're like, oh, but I like. I like Donkey Kong 3. You People know? can have different favorites. You would say Donkey Kong 3 when only me and Sean were on that episode? He really likes it when we get <laughs> intimate. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one thing I know. All right? I know that we have exhausted talking about this game, and we now need to talk about it in the Essential Games list. We're not even going to talk about Victor Kai. As you just heard, it's time for the Essential Games list. I think since I usually don't go first, I'm going to go first and just say right off the bat, no, I prefer Spy Hunter. Sam? I'm going to say no. I prefer Mock Rider. Sean? I'm going to say no. I would prefer both of those games. I Spy Hunter and Mock Rider. Yeah, I would prefer both those games to kind of get like a crossover. They get together, make a nice little top-down... Some Rad Racer baby, 3D you know? in there. Ooh, Rad Racer. You do like Rad Racer, Sean. You should have said that. I mean, I, I couldn't really think on my feet there. You gave me like 30 seconds, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you do like Rad Racer. I do right? like Rad Tell Racer. Us. Like Rad. Where would you rank the three of those? Rad Racer, Spy Hunter, Mock Rider. Well, Just me, you. Uh, well, there's, uh, there's Rad Racer, and then there's uh, Mock Rider, and then there's Spy Hunter. Going from top to bottom. And then there's Bump and Jump. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. I think Mock Rider might be one of my favorite NES games still. It's still up it there for me. It oozes style. It oozes style. Yeah. Well, it's just anyway, it's accessible. Anyway, speaking of about oozing, next week it is going to ooze red blood when we do our special Halloween episode. That's right. It's not going to be on Friday. You'll have to wait a full day, but on October 31st, uh, All Hallows Eve, is that is that the... That's a way to that say word? it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, no, something that's confusing is All Hallows Eve, like Halloween Eve, like, you know, Christmas Eve. No, it's that's correct. <laughs> Great, gotcha. So just to make it even more complicated then, does that make November 1st All Hallows Day? Uh, yes. No, it would, it would be All Hallows Ween. Ah, All Hallows Ween. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, anyway, to make a long story short... Our special Halloween episode will be Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Note that we are not going out of order. This is a beautiful coincidence that many of our listeners pointed out to us a while ago. And we just (laughs) happen to be ready uh, to do this. And it just happens to be on Halloween. So to uh, make it a big episode, make it grand, I was thinking we get none other than Dracula himself on the show. What do you guys say? I I mean, you have to invite him. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure he, he can, I'll send it through like a Raven mail, right? Like, Right, but I'm saying he can't come unless he's invited, because he's a vampire. 
It's a vampire, oh, it's a vampire okay. human. I mean, I mean, what does that mean, though? Like, Because <laughs> they... Oh, come on, guys. They gotta be invited into your house before they can come in, like that whole thing. Yeah, you don't know about this show? Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I mean, yeah. like, are we gonna... Are we actually gonna say that, though? Look, we just gotta yeah. brush up on our vampire humor before Dracula gets here, because I don't want to be, like, you know... I'll, I'll be extra Sean, spooky. Awkward around Sean, me. I know you usually have garlic bread on Wednesdays, so when we record. Why so are you telling just, everybody that? Can you just not eat garlic bread that day? I, I know it's a big ask. All right, yeah, but sure. But can Whatever. you just, like, hold off Whatever. garlic bread? Cool. Nobody stands between me and my garlic bread. I'm going to pull off all the wood floorboards in my house because I don't want him thinking that I'm going to turn them into steaks. Am I allowed to eat gabagool? Gabagool's always good with a Dracula, you know? Okay. <laughs> you going to say something or are you just going to make that face? Okay, That's my gabagool great. face. The listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Next week, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest with Dracula here in the studio. That's right. It's going to be a great episode. And there's many more great episodes to come, too. So make sure to hit that big follow button Smash on Twitter. Follow. <laughs> Smash that follow button on Twitter at NostalgiaCast. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. And we'll be talking to you next week for a very spooky nostalgia episode. <laughs>